You are listening to Changing Careers, a podcast about how MBA careers are changing and how MBAs change their careers. I am Conrad Chua. When I was in Japan recently, I visited the Tokyo office of Plug and Play, a global startup incubator. I was interested to learn more about the startup scene in Tokyo, its challenges, and how it's growing. So it was great for me to meet Yuki Kishi, who works at Plug and Play. First, Yuki introduced himself. Hello, everyone. My name is Yuki Kishi. I'm now currently working for a company called Plug and Play Japan, and I'm in charge of fintech vertical at the moment. So, can you tell us what is Plug and Play? So, Plug and Play, we have two uh, entities. One is we are the venture capital. Uh, we are investing two to three hundred investments per year. Um, some of them goes uh, unicorns. That, the famous ones would be Lending, Lending Club, Dropbox, N26, uh, Garden Health. So those are the unicorns company that we invested. Uh, the other side of our companies is that we are uh, running accelerator programs which means that we're trying to sort of match make startups and corporate partners and then trying to foster their innovations for both sides. So Plug and Play is a, a global company with many offices across different countries. How how long has uh, the Japan office been been around? So Plug and Play itself, we are currently running um, uh, 14 different countries with 13, uh, 30 locations. Uh, Plug and Play Japan, we opened office two years ago, um, 2017, July. So it's been here for two, yeah, almost two years, yeah. And you work on the, um, the side of Plug and Play where you're trying to encourage the development of startups, uh, specifically in the fintech side. Can you start by saying, what is the process? Um, Startups have to apply to come into Plug and Play, and what happens at that point? So through our accelerator programs, we are running accelerator program three a three months accelerator program twice a year, and how it works is that once the startups apply to our program, it will have they have to go through our screening process, and how we do screening is that Plug and Play does initial screening, and after that, startups actually have to present in front of our corporate partners in japan we have 31 corporate partners at the moment they have to present in front of them and then uh, we receive feedbacks from corporate partners then we kind of select the final startups to be selected for a program these corporate partners um what's in it for them to do all of this so corporate partners uh, they're looking for open innovations um in Japan, those corporate partners they used to create they create their products, um, trying to uh, come up with a new innovation. Everything with them using their uh, resources. Uh, but now, because of like, this concept of open innovations, they really have to think about how to work with uh, someone outside organization, how to utilize the assets and resources of startups, and then come up with uh, new solutions, better technologies, and better innovations. So what do you look for, or what do you and your corporate partners look for when startups come and pitch? Every, every corporate partners have their own objective uh, when it comes down to screening process. Uh, so every, everyone will have different assessment uh, criteria. However, the, the, one of the f- famous major ones is that first they look out uh, how 
com how, how competitive that uh, product or services that startups offering uh, compare with existing um, uh, solutions, and second, how how big the the market, the potential market uh, of that uh, service, and also they're looking for how passionate the founder is. Um, of course, this is a very not quantitative approach, but if you have one-on-one -on -one discussion with the founder, you kind of get feelings of whether this person with the founder is really, really passionate about this product or they're doing for um, trying to make some uh, small cash. So once a, a startup gets onto the accelerator, what are some of the things that Plug and Play or like yourself, what will you do to... Uh, help the development of these startups? Our initial approach will be introducing to many of our corporate partners. Um, we're trying to introduce startups to our 31 corporate partners. And with them, for example, Mitsubishi, MEFG, Mitsubishi USA Financial Group, um, they have many, many divisions, many, many entities within MEFG Group. So they, are, they have banks, credit card, uh, leasing company, uh, venture capital arm, so we're trying to sort of get involved and trying to introduce our startup to all of the entities, all of the right person, right contacts, so that um, startups can actually uh, move on to, uh, with some project and POCs and pilot project. Um, other than that, uh, we're trying to um, help them brush up their business model and we're trying to sort of in um, introduce them to our mentors, our mentors such as Venture Capital, we have a legal seminar, we have a tax officer actually coming in to help them in terms of financing business model. And also, we recently helped them introduce to them uh, the media companies. So, for example, Nikkei newspaper, we're trying to introduce, uh, introduce them to a Nikkei newspaper so that um, they create a relationship with the media people. So you yourself, you're in, you're in charge of the fintech vertical. What are some of the interesting developments uh, in the fintech space in Japan? One of the hot market in fintech space uh, is regtech. Regtech is a regulatory a regulations slash technology. So regtech is very interesting um, uh, hot market at the moment in Japan uh, with KYC process, uh, know your know, know your customer process. Everything needs to be uh, in Japan. Uh, the KYC process is very manual, uh, very paper-based. Um, there are many obstacles uh, in terms of the uh, workflow. So we are now uh, trying to introduce those technologies uh, being offered by startups and then trying to sort of streamline it, automate it. And uh, that's one sort of hot areas in Japan. The other hot areas will be wealth management. If you, I mean, if you compare the amount of investments into financial instrument in if you compare that amount in Japan against uh, for example US uh, Japanese tends to tends to sort of uh, put their money in in a bank bank account not really invest into this uh, uh, financial instruments but with this new so robot advisors new wealth management technology coming in um, the hurdle uh, for consumers specifically, the hurdle to invest is getting lower and lower so that they can actually put their money and then start investing. That's also one interesting area. And I guess that's quite important in Japan with a aging population and interest rates being very low. Exactly. So that's those uh, sort of external environment is also 
one motivation for the consumers and also that with because of that environment uh, many wealth management tech startups are actually coming into this field and trying to get users so japan has been very well has been very well known for large corporations conglomerates and i think we, thanks to people like yourself and vcs there's more and more startups coming up do you how do you compare the number of startups in japan to say the US, Europe, or China? I do have a graph um, that shows number of uh, investments uh, or like amount of investments flowing into, uh, into this Japanese uh, startup ecosystem. Um, in Japan, uh, for example, in 2016, the Bloomberg actually showed us we, ha- we hit the all-time high in 2016. However, if you compare that against US, China, the the amount of money flowing in and also the growth level uh, growth of money f- flowing into this startup ecosystem is is very different like t- twenty to thirty uh, thirty times different uh, compared to the Japanese market so y- yes in Japan uh, the startup ecosystem is booming uh, there are many people who actually want to join in this startup. Startups are trying to be uh, involved in the startup ecosystem. However, the money is not really there. You mentioned to me before recording that um, there are also companies, startups from other countries who want to set up shop in Japan. So why do they want to do that? You know, when they may be coming from a, a market where there's more established VC network and funding. I spoke to several uh, overseas startups actually coming to Japan, and then there, there are a few common comments that I received from them. One of them is that um, Japan is still a uh, large, uh, still large economy in the world. Uh, Japan is at the moment third largest economy in the world, so that uh, there are still a room for the startups actually come in. Uh, especially for the inter- overseas startups to come into the Japanese market and then uh, trying to est- establish uh, here, uh, trying, to, trying to create their presence here in Japan. And second is that, as mentioned, so in Japan, the startup ecosystem is still very weak. There aren't many Japanese startups coming out from Japan. So there are still room for overseas startups who are actually Two, two years ahead of the curve from my perspective. They can actually come to Japan and then, in a way, exploit the Japanese uh, sort of market from startup perspective. And, and also on the flip side of it, uh, for the corporate, corporation, large corporation perspective, they're also looking for some of the latest technologies uh, in general. And then, of course, if they can find, uh, if, if, if that can be served by a Japanese startup, that's great. But usually, uh, startups from, let's say, Silicon Valley, startups from London or Israel, uh, they are, uh, once again, they are like two years ahead the curve. Um, so from a large corporation perspective, they're also looking for startups, overseas startups, and then trying to pull them into the Japanese market. If I turn the discussion to yourself, you worked in a corporate environment for a long time. so. Why did you decide to switch to plug and play and working with startups? Yes, um, I used to work for Deutsche Bank for for many years uh, in Japan. Um, 
Yes, uh, for, for, for me, my, the journey is that I quit the company Deutsche back in 2016 and then joined, uh, um, I, 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 became, I came uh, to Cambridge uh, for one year MBA program. It was actually the Cambridge MBA was one of my turning points uh, because you, you have a chance to get involved in this uh, startup ecosystem, like through my summer projects, for example. Um, just have a uh, many interaction with them with the sort of startup ecosystem. I know. I I also took entrepreneurship concentration uh, back in Cambridge. So that's also one um, turning point that you know I, I feel like ah oh, startup eco- startups seems to be very very fun to work for. And then coming back to Japan, it was kind of straightforward for me to sort of look look for um, look for a company. In, in this startup ecosystem. So what would your advice be to any MBA student who's thinking of starting a company, whether in Japan or anywhere? I think there are two phases. Uh, if, you're now, if you're going to Cambridge MBA and then thinking to, thinking to, the startup, uh, thinking to uh, do your own startup right after MBA, then my advice is that trying to come up with uh, be, even before joining a Cambridge MBA, trying to have your own business idea, uh, business plan, trying to make it concrete as much as possible, because uh, a, a judge, a judge, like you, you'll be able to sort of discuss with top top tier professor, with uh, you know, top tier entrepreneur face to face. So that you can sort of bounce back your ideas back and forth with them, and then that should be able to sort of brush up and then make make it more better business model. Trying to be more crystal clear in terms of what you can do, like post MBAs. And if you already graduated from MBAs and then now I'm um, trying to do your own startup, my advice is that trying to leverage your uh, alumni network as much as possible um there are like many people like probably around you or like even uh, people from graduate earlier or even later so trying to sort of get to know them and then trying to get connected and then once again if you sort of do your own discussion then it, it will be i think easier than doing everything by yourself just so my advice is trying to leverage your network as much as possible That was my conversation with Yuki Kishi from Plug and Play in Tokyo. The startup scene in Japan is still quite nascent, but I could feel the energy in the Plug and Play office. I'm very interested to see what exciting startup can emerge. This is the last of my three podcast episodes recorded in Asia. I return to Cambridge, where my next guest is an absolute legend in the world of consulting. So don't miss the next episode. You can listen to this show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, subscribe if you've not done so. If you've already subscribed, thank you so much. Please remember, share this with someone you know who would benefit from listening. Leave a rating and review. It helps others discover the show. Let me know how you think about the show by tweeting me at ConradChua16. That's at C-O-N-R-A-D-C-H-U-A-1-6. Till next time, this is Conrad Chua on Changing Careers.